makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Greetings and good day, folks out there. This is First Voices Radio, and I want to send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. I'm your host, T. Okerson, Goes Taurus, and this is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio now in its 28th year broadcasting, and Liz Hill is First Voices Radio's producer. And you can hear us now on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, excuse me, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First Voices Indigenous Radio.org. And you can hear us internationally on Savizar Contemporary in Berlin and Potsdam, Germany. Well, our first guest will go to Whose Knowledge and uh, a, campa- a campaign to correct the skewed representations of knowledge of the Internet, a.k.a. making knowledge on the Internet less white, male, straight, and global north in origin. We these uh, Whose Knowledge is a global campaign to center the knowledge of marginalized communities, the majority of the world, on the Internet. Our first guest will be Anasuya Sengupta, who is co-director and co-founder of Whose Knowledge. She has led initiatives in India and the USA across the global south um, and internationally for more than 20 years to amplify marginalized voices in virtual and physical worlds. Anasuya is a former chief grant-making officer at Wikimedia Foundation, former regional program director of the Global Fund for Women, and 2017's Shuttleworth Foundation Fellow. Anasuya received a 218, excuse me, 2018 Internet and Society Award from the Oxford Internet Institute and is on the Scholars Council for UCLA Center for Critical Internet Inquiry. And uh, also Adele Farana 
is co-director and co-founder of Whose Knowledge. Adele has led business development and other partnerships initiatives to build a more plural and diverse communities in her native country of Brazil and globally. She's a former director of strategic partnerships at the Wikimedia Foundation and a 2015 Erasmus Prize laureate on behalf of her work to expand access to Wikipedia in the Global South. And I want to bring this to you, this this interview that I picked up yesterday with them uh, since they couldn't be here today on Wednesday and uh, just uh, beginning into the the, the next uh, 33 minutes or so, we'll, we'll go with this. And I think what we should start with is immediately why I wanted you on, Anasuya. I'm glad you, you brought Adele into it because your work in Brazil and then your your work internationally all the time, Anasuya, working with within the United States and over in Europe and in India, is that right now one of our leaders has been calling for that type of unity, that some magic potion does not belong to one or another, regardless if it's through technical forms, different media, social platforms or whatever, actually everybody's, what I would say, is now looking to the center. We're not just looking at our own individuality, individual paths, is that now we are looking to the center and that center happens to be the earth. Because we're tethered to the old way of thinking coming from and what people are calling now, we want the reset button so that we can get back to normal. I could leave it right there. And what I want to do is ask you your comments. Adele, Anasuya, thank you for being here. And um, we'll just start with you, Anasuya. I hope what I have to say is uh, worth everybody else's time to listen. Um, so thank you so much just for having us, dear cousin. It's an honor. And I just want to say that for both Adele and me, um, it is truly an honor to be on, especially in this week when um, I think um, it's a time of great, profound reflection for many of us who have been marginalized through historical structures of power and privilege everywhere in the world, but particularly in the United States and particularly for um, First Peoples and Native American communities, um, Indigenous communities around the world, I think, um, sort of feel this week with a particular profound uh, spirit. Um, So one of the interesting things about the word center, uh, as you spoke, um, what resonated for me was who defines what is the center when it is not the earth. The wisdom that you brought to saying that the center is the earth I think is a wisdom that not everybody has, right? And so the word center itself gets used and abused and manipulated and negotiated in so many ways. Um, So for instance, when I was a child growing up in India, I used to think that the center of the world was Europe and North America because everything around me spoke that language of centering something that was not me, that was not me, that was not my people's, that was not my experience, that was not our histories. And so I always felt like I was on the margins looking in. The, the, the newspapers that I read would talk about, you know, things that happen in Europe and in America. Uh, and, you know, as Indians, it was only us 
on the peripheries of this conversation. Um, so when we actually start decentering that center of power and privilege, I think there's something very profound that happens. And for us, um, at whose knowledge, I think it has been about decentering what is taken as the center by most people implicitly and saying, actually, no, we are centering a whole other set of ways of knowing and doing and being. And I think this is where that profound wisdom of the center is actually the earth comes um, to fruit, comes to bear, which is that um, when we then see the earth as being the center, um, those of us who have been, I think, in a very intimate relationship with the earth need to be centered in the conversations of the now and, and the future. And for us, at whose knowledge that means, um, really, you know, Bell Hooks talks about this, how do you center the margins? And, and, and for us, that means centering women's voices, centering indigenous voices, centering black and brown voices, centering the voices of those of us from the global south, and of course, all the intersectionalities of those. Um, but I think there's something very resonant that I'm sitting with in just that simple profundity of what you said, which is that the, the center is the earth. So I'm going to stop there and, and see what Adeli has to say. I, I also just want to thank you for allowing Anasuya to bring me along for this for this conversation. And I can feel deeply, right, like the sense of community and, and belonging being here and and in bringing myself, right, like I'm Afro-Brazilian um, with also an indigenous origin that has been completely erased, right? I have tried to trace back um to that origin and the colonizers that um, did a, pr a proposal job at erasing, right, like that history. Um, so people like me um, found, found themselves, find themselves in a really challenging place to even look back and honor the, this, this heritage, right, like honor our ancestors. And uh, right now I'm sitting and I'm saying that to you, uh, to a cousin not from Brazil, I'm actually sitting um, in the unceded territory of Olone people. Um, I am in Alameda, California right now. And uh, I want to, to honor the Olone people um, and, and bring myself into this um, honoring them and acknowledging that I'm here, uh, here as a guest in, in their land. Um, and to say that they're pretty much here alive uh, because that's, again, as an immigrant that came here 10 years ago, this week, um, I was. I also was served this whitewashed uh, version of Thanksgiving, of being in this country, and uh, right, like how how this beautiful um, holiday came together. And um, and in hearing you and many that came before me, um, then I've learned right, like what are the what are then the other ways of living, and also what are the stories that are not really being shared. Um, so I also feel that this, right, like the wisdom is also in, in looking at all the, our histories and bringing that to the center, right? Like the, the earth and then the, the histories that we have not been able to, um, to get to know. Um, and so 
I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm really emotional right now. And I'm feeling that I'm feeling that, um, that presence and the emotion. And it's hard even to say, to put that in words. Um, what, what being here represents to me really. So thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not cogent right now because it's really a moment of yeah, emotion. It feels good, though, Adele. Thank you for that. Um, I think you're, you're really describing what we are all, all going through. When, when I said center, and then you came through with that, when we face the earth, earth is female. And through that, we get uploaded. This is what I think. We get uploaded with knowledge that we've been missing by looking outward. And now we're, we're in that place of, as you say, indigenous origin. Earth is the origin and it does take, I mean, I, I run in circles where the community here, a lot of non-native communities say, well, we're all indigenous to the earth. But there is the struggle to be indigenous that, that they, they don't understand. It's easy to say we're indigenous, but it's, they won't take our struggle to be indigenous. And that's what I'm feeling from you, Adele. And uh, when Anasuya talked about that maybe redefining something is really that comes from the Western mind that we are maybe looking at this life too much and, and persuaded by anthropocentrism. It's only about humans. It's partly true. And it's because I think we miss part of the whole and we don't see the whole. We're all trying to just squeeze ourselves in there. Like, like in the United States, everybody wants a piece of the American pie but they forget who owns the bakery. And I think that's what we're saying about the earth. We all want a piece of the earth, but we forget the energy that she is giving to us. So to so see the clarity through this. And I really enjoy when, when you're finding that center, so to speak, that the center of the universe is everywhere. So we have so much that we have maybe forgotten, but we feel it in our DNA I think that's some of the thought processes that came through when you were talking, both of you were talking there. I think it's, um, I think what you said is so true to your cousin that um, humans have such arrogance about being human. And then of course, certain humans have even more arrogance than others. Um, and and yet, uh, the minute we decenter ourselves and and center the earth and the sky, because I think the sky helps us recognize how small we are in relation to the earth. I think um, that's the thing about the world we live in. It's always relational, but sometimes we have to um, recognize that relationality. Just to be touching the earth, looking at the sky, and seeing how small we are in the in, in time and space um, in, in relation to, to, to these incredible motions um, of the world. Um, there's something I think really important in um, being able to say that exactly as Adeli said, as we honor the earth, we also honor the stories of those who have different relationships with the earth than what is seen as the norm. And I think that is, those are the stories of our indigenous peoples. Those are the stories 
of uh, of women who you know in 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 India there's a there's we um, had a, an incredible movement of women hugging trees so that the loggers could not cut them down. It was called the Chipko movement. I literally, to Chipko is to stick. It means to stick in 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 Hindi and the the the, the indigenous languages um, in that region. And that, as I was growing up, was one of the most profound uh, images for me, visual metaphors of um, not letting go of something that mattered, that had been uh, nurturing us for for centuries. That notion of women standing around trees, saying over our dead bodies. Um, and, and so, and you know, it's interesting because I, I'm thinking of a, my mother is a poet and, and there's a poem that she wrote uh, where, where the, the refrain is, the women will stand uh, like trees, they will stand and hold the ends of the earth together. And, you know, that, that poem is sort of inspired um, by, by this, this metaphor as well, this visual. Um, and at the same time, I think um, there's there's both the the notion of those histories and those relationships, and there's also who do we listen to, who do we hear, and how do we hear them? Why is it that some histories and some stories and some narratives get heard differently than others, um, right? And I think that for us it is at the core of the work we do, which is to to challenge people to hear and listen and feel differently in um, honoring the many extraordinary histories and knowledges of our world. Um, and, and I think, you know, Adeli can speak to that because given all the mixtures of, of, of knowledges that she holds, um, I think that has been in many ways, the lifetime journey for both her and me and in different ways coming from the different parts of the world that we do. That, that's so good to hear that. And that, that kind of leads into my next question um, with Adele is that, you know, we begin with whose knowledge it's in your email, you know, your email address and whose knowledge, like, and I read part of it where you have, you're trying to change the the knowledge of the internet, uh, making it more available or less white, male and straight, and the knowledge from the global south and other marginalized communities that you have you're encountering now with the all lone people in California. And it seems that there's a tie between all the indigenous folks. If you feel that way, and that's what I, I'm saying that when I've when, when I first introduced you and you, you said your words, that's what I felt. I felt, you know, it, it's easier talking to indigenous peoples. We get over the identity and we just get right into to the spirit of who we are. And, and when I, when I hear that and I see that I'm saying, yeah, this is, this is who we are, that we can express grief. We can express the praise. We can express whose knowledge is it that someone has misconstrued or even, not even said the truth. And when I go back to this, Adele and Anasuya, is that it comes from the ideas that through these languages that the earth doesn't lie. So once we are referring to our languages, that earth doesn't lie, that speaks to more about 
the intuitive values of all the indigenous peoples that this language we're talking about here in this language of English kind of severs that relationship with with all that is. And this is just these are just my ideas. And I'm really wondering what you what your thoughts are, Adele. Yes. Oh, I have I have so many because I before coming here, I was thinking, what if I could introduce even myself, right? Like knowing what my indigenous origins were and I could be coming, speaking Tupi, speaking some of the many indigenous languages, right? Like from the first peoples of my country. Yeah. And I can't do that, right? Um, and and I think that is the one, right? Like one aspect um, that we all are here speaking the colonizers' languages, right? And I'm speaking two colonizer languages because I already, right, like speak Portuguese as my mother's language, right? My mother language. So, yeah, there's a, uh, the oppression as well um, of that in our everyday living, right, and existence. Like you are reminded of that. Um, but what I wanted to bring, um, as Anasuya mentioned, right, like this, the intersectionality of all these identities that I bring in and the, and the mission, right, um, and the way of living, of questioning of whose knowledge and whose knowledge it is that we, we accept and perceive as the, um, the actual knowledge and questioning that and, and then questioning who we are hearing, who are these stories, um, and, and thinking about this work that we are doing. And right now I am, right, like I'm um, of um, a generation that didn't, right, like started to grow up with the internet and, and access to technology, right? Like coming towards, um, it was really hard for me as a Afro-Brazilian, a poor Afro-Brazilian to have access to it. And even understand, right, like the ramifications of technology in my life. Only when I came to the United States that I had access to be thinking about technology as this promise and, and a place of um, certain kind of access uh, for people like me to be able to say and express things um, that we have never had before, right? Because if you think about newspapers, publications, they're all closed access to people that look like me. So then there's this, this promise and this possibility um, of us uh, using a channel that has never existed before to tell our stories. Um, and at the same time, Right. This this channel and this possibility is now deeply co-opted uh, by uh, power and privilege, by Western um, white men from the United, the United States and Europe and and all their right, like many systems of power and privilege that comes with that. So for us, it was really and it is really, really important to even locate right that um, the, the struggle and trying to recenter the majority of the world because we are the majority of the world, right? Like the global South, the indigenous peoples, the black and brown people, uh, LGBTQI women, um, even though our knowledge is written and, um, and produced by this minority, um, it doesn't represent as the majority, right? So we are really trying to recenter who should actually be uh, be the center and listen to our stories um, and knowledges. And in doing that, we need to locate that on the internet, right? It, it is something that is really, um, I can tell you that many of the access and this connection to indigenous communities I have gained in the last years that I have been in the United States due to my access to hearing and seeing indigenous communities online, 
I would not be able to be here and to be in this connection and in a certain way of community without that. And I think it's really important for us to think critically of what what does then it mean, right? Like, are we in this in technological space as leaders, as responsible for creating our own experiences, or we are also a product of this capitalist settler colonial idea of an internet? Um, so that is a huge part of the reflection when we're thinking whose knowledge, whose knowledge it is uh, that we are consuming and producing online. I think there's one particular aspect of what Adeli said that I think is so uh, key right now. As, as you said it, Adeli, I was thinking of the fact that as we honor the Ohlone people, um, you, you know, you live on their land, um, and I used to live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And one of the things that struck me, and we would talk about it in the conversations we had with Silicon Valley, is that the Olon are not a federally recognized tribe. And why are they not federally recognized? Right? Because if you imagined giving them the, the rights and the recognition and the sovereignty that they deserve, what land is that land? It is the land from which this capitalist, colonialist internet that, you know, runs the world right now. Tech capital runs our world in very many ways, along with, you know, old fashioned financial and manufacturing capital. But we see the disproportionate nature of the power of tech capital. That tech capital is built upon indigenous land that is not recognized indigenous people who are not recognized, who are not um, offered, uh, you know, the, the honor that they deserve. Um, and so there's something very powerful in that, in that, um, in that hypocrisy and paradox, because I have been in, in, in um, rooms where I've talked about this and talked about, you know, the, the alone have a, uh, a land tax that they suggest those of us who live in the area uh, give. No one in Silicon Valley knows whose land it is. When you have a global infrastructure where the designers, the architects, the, the power centers do not even understand their own histories, however complex and problematic and oppressive they are, then what happens to the nature of that infrastructure? What does that infrastructure do to the rest of us, right? And I, and I say this recognizing that in my own land, I am, I am part oppressor, right? So in, in India, my ancestors come from the horribly oppressive caste system they come from what is called Savarna, which is the upper, so-called upper caste, right? There's a hierarchy. Uh, it, it's To me, it's the most oppressive social structure there is because it's the one that I know I was born into and that, you know, I, I want to break. And um, in the words of Dr. B.R. Ambedkar, who is uh, one of the icons of the anti-caste movement, we want to annihilate caste. You want to destroy it because it serves no purpose other than tremendous um, oppression. But you know, coming from that from 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 that position of privilege, 
and knowing that those who are on the lower caste of the hierarchies and those who are indigenous in 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 India they're called adivasis literally first peoples um they don't have the same sovereignty that that we do and yet if i do not understand the oppressive nature of my own peoples and my own families and 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 the both the complicity as well as the cooptation as adeli was saying how can i presume to even change anything else so we use the word decolonizing in some ways as a as a metaphor but at the end of the day you know linda tuhiwai smith who is this wonderful maori scholar says decolonizing can't be metaphor it has to be practice right how do we practice this and for us our work in whose knowledge and and opening up the internet to the promise and possibility that adeli talked about that is the practice for us yeah i i i i just want to say for those who are listening because it might be useful to just offer some some numbers because some of us learn in different ways but um you know of all the people who are on the on who are online today so who are connected digitally through the internet uh you know over 60% of the world is digitally connected even if they are connected in different ways and we know for instance the last mile is terribly difficult so many people are not 40% of the world are not connected and even those who are connected are connected differently but of those who are connected who are online 3/4 are from the global south nearly 50% of all women are online and yet the internet doesn't look like us it doesn't look like youtube kasin it doesn't look like a delhi and her people it doesn't look like me and my people it certainly doesn't look like an indigenous earth centered global infrastructure right um so how do we make that promise and possibility come alive as we honor all of our knowledges that's 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 the question we ask ourselves every day That's so filling for me to just hear that because I've always wondered because you you experience that you know our access to any kind of information you have to go back into the archives dig and dig and dig when it's like you know if I want you know if I in New York City if I wanted to have a, a cup of coffee with another native person I'd have to call them up and make the appointment rather than just going down the street and you see them everywhere right. So even that in in our everyday lives it plays its mental trains us mentally it's like i have hearing aids so i know that is uh, a mental drain because i don't hear the complete conversation i think part of us as who we are as people of culture like to call us all is that we aren't we aren't hearing the total conversation like you say 60 40 there's something something going on here because it that mean we can break it down into poverty we can break it down into you know just bad living condition everything but still it's is there freedom within the internet uh, this is a this is we can have another discussion of this is something i like and adel just any closing words because we have like a couple minutes here i think i want to go back to the the lentac 
tax, the Shumi, I think is the, how it is pronounced, the Shumi land tax. Um, and I'm, I'm really um, uh, admire of the Sogorea uh, Land Trust, which is a group of indigenous um, urban, urban indigenous uh, women um, that are behind this trust. And they are really administering, right, like this Shumi tax land. And I'm bringing that because... I am sitting right now also mourning um, another loss that we have had in Brazil um, last week uh, of a black man that has been beaten to death um, by security guards, one of them a police officer. Um, everything was recorded. His wife watched um, him, right, like he be um, murdered and uh, in broad daylight in a huge um it's a chain uh, that came from France, but it is a global uh, business, like a conglomerate. Um, and my whole country and at least my fellow Afro-Brazilians are mourning and in a lot of pain. And, um, and I'm coupling that pain and thinking about the pain that we have been, right, like experiencing in this country um, as black and brown people being targeted by, by the police and by the state. And I'm bringing that because um, there has been a lot of, from that pain, a lot of practical things that have emerged in this debate. Practical things that we can do, uh, but also uh, that white people can do. And, um, and one of the reflections that I'm having, it was actually uh, he hearing one of your podcast, one of your radio interviews, your cousin, and talking about this week and the, the day to be a day of atonement. Um, mourning for the ones that are mourning, and especially indigenous and first people, but also atonement. And um, and I'm seeing the right, like the the paying the tax, the land tax, as a measure of atonement and reparation, right? Because we are now in the the Black movement and Black Lives Matter movement, talking a lot about reparation for Black people and um, African American. Um, uh, people that really deserve that. And I wanted to say that, right, like there needs to be also the, and, and there are, there is already, right? Like, I don't want to honor that conversation, but to bring it the, the, um, the practicality of it, right? Like I feel that for this Thursday, right? Like what we all should be doing is to actually be paying that land tax at a minimum, right? Atonement has to be, and, and go back, right? Like atonement has to be a practice as well, as, as decolonizing has to be a practice. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm bringing this, because I really think that, yes, it is really important to rethink the center and think about the center as the earth and, and hear those stories. And when we do that, we really need to transform that energy and that fire into practice. And I'm sitting here, right, like feeling that, yeah, part of me right now I have access. I'm sitting in, in this land that doesn't belong to me, that was taken forcefully from the lonely people. And I should be, right, like as, as everyone that's living here, including Silicon Valley Capital, doing uh, more to honor and actually in practice, right, repatriate that land back to 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 the people that it belongs to right mm. like in this case the alone people so i want to say that and i want to say that um the practice right like also needs to part of our work in working with right like uh, marginalized communities and Anosui already brought up the Bahujan Dalit community. We have also been fortunate and honored enough to also work and try to center the knowledges of 
the Kumiai uh, Shoshone people as well through some work on, with them on Wikipedia. And now we are embarking on this new project that tries to bring together the indigenous uh, female leadership of uh, Maori and Pacific Islanders um, uh, activists and academics, also indigenous from um, the Brazilian Amazon and our friends here from the Kumiai Shoshone communities as well, bring all those leaders together, uh, this incredible women to be reflecting on who we are hearing, right? As we are thinking about the cure and the mitigation for the global crisis, who, what are the ways of living? What are the ways of knowing that we are centering? And bringing these amazing women together uh, to rethink that, right? Like we know that we should be hearing them, uh, but we are not, right? Like they're still in their spaces in, t- in three different um, places in the world and in three uh, different localities. Uh, they're still hearing white men coming and dominating, or white women for that matter, come dominating um, the debate um, on the the global crisis. And it should not be like that. If we want to change the reality, we have to be listening to our first peoples and indigenous peoples. Um, So just to bring more life and more, right, like practice to the point of practice. um, If it's just this course, um, it doesn't serve us. It's so interesting because it opens up so many avenues of, of processing what we've said to think, and I'm sure people will be listening to this one. It's so great to have you both here on First Voices. It's just an honor to hear hear your hearts. Thank you for having us. And um, we will be so happy to come back anytime to continue oh, yeah. the conversation. Oh, yeah. And, and, just, and thank you particularly for having us this week. I think um, it has meant a great deal to Adeli and me. Um, it's a it's a particularly hard week for many of us who embody these thoughts and these practices. And I just want to honor us all and hold us in, in, in kindness and compassion and love. Thank you. And that was Anasuya Gupta and Adele Frana, the co-director and co-founder and directors of whoseknowledge.org. Um, we're going to go right into our next program here. We're going to have Tosh Terry, who is part of indigenousways.org, so you might want to look that up. And the relief runs the Black Mountain on the Navajo Nation. As we all know, things are happening everywhere in indigenous country, and now we are getting the access to having something about Native people. So I'll have Tosh Terry on the line right after this. This is the land. These are the people who are one with this land. They are the first people, the Navajo, the Diné. The land and the people are one. The story of my people is spoken, sung, danced, and drummed. It is not written. It's a sacred story not to be profaned by being locked in a book that is passed casually to others. Our story comes through our elders, the wise ones, who've lived long on this land, one with the bear and the deer, with the sheep we raised and the food we gather. The elders teach us to walk lightly on Mother Earth, whose body has been loaned to us as a gift 
They know it is Mother Earth who gives us, for a little while, a place to walk and to eat, to gather and to sing. They teach us to treat Mother Earth with respect, to talk to Mother Earth. The spirit of this land is the spirit of my people, one with the land in this life and the next. A dozen years ago, we created Indigenous Ways as a nonprofit organization dedicated to discovering, preserving, and teaching the story of these lands and these people. By listening to the elders and their stories, we've traveled to a time before Europeans arrived on the land, when there were millions of Dene on this land, creating waterways, building dams, planting and harvesting crops, living always in harmony with Mother Earth. We've learned songs that we sing, poems we recite, dances that bring us along spiritual paths and into sacred rituals. I was raised on this land by my grandmother, beneath the shadow of Black Mountain. It was she who introduced me to the stories of Mother Earth and Father Sky, the stories with the stars in the sky, the Navajo astrology. She's the one who taught me to respect the four-leggeds, the winged ones, along with our ancestors who had come before me. She comforted me when I cried, fed me before she would eat herself. In cold winter nights, she wrapped us in quilts woven from the sheep's wool, crafted with symbols telling my ancestors' stories. My grandmother lives in the work of indigenous ways. When we sing, dance, tell stories of our people, she's there. She's here with us. She lives in our DNA because her spirit and the land are one. With time, the rich traditions and heritage of our people have been ravaged. Black coal that gives the mountain its name. A corporation came for the coal, 1964. The Navajo aquifer was needed to drain the mines. The springs and the wells dried up. The environmental impacts are still felt today. Corporations brought new people and with them, new agonies. The Mesa's air was no longer clean. Then came a pandemic, not the first. A reservation economy, already fragile, collapsed. A food chain dependent on distant suppliers dried up. Wash your hands, said the doctors. But how can a people wash their hands without running water? Protect your elders, said the doctors. But our families live together in a single dwelling on the mountain. How can we protect those who live among us? Of all those decimated by this pandemic, none have suffered more than the Diné people. For a decade, Indigenous Ways has brought the story of our people to our songs, our broadcasts, and our live events. But in this time, of the pandemic, performances are not enough. We need to do more. And so, 
Indigenous Ways has begun relief runs to Black Mesa. We found sources of water and brought them to the people of Black Mesa. They can drink water and wash hands with the use of hand washing stations. We've gathered truckloads of food and supplies and delivered them to the communities too deep in the mountains to be supplied by most others. We've sought and accepted donations from those who value not only our past, but our present. Not only our elders, their lessons, but also their lives. If there are those able to contribute to the relief runs of indigenous ways, your gifts would be welcome. Every gift is valued and goes for Black Mesa. If you are interested in our indigenous stories and songs, they are available by visiting our website or by visiting with us in person. And if you're interested in participating in the work we do, we welcome your inquiries and your spirit of compassion. The land and the people of the land will thank you. Indigenous Ways and the Relief Runs to the Black Mountain on the Navajo Nation. And with us is Tosh Terry. Tosh Terry is a founder of Indigifem and also Indigenous Ways, which came into existence in 2007. I'd like to welcome you, Tosh Terry, to First Voices Radio this morning. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Hey, Tosh. Um, you know, the video, I mean, excuse me, the, the audio that we just heard um, really says a lot in it. But, you know, when it comes to knowing you personally, that, you know, the, the collaboration that you and Elena, who won't be here today, Elena Higgins is from Maori Samoan, but you guys be, began performing that year in 2007 as Indigenous Femme when I first met you. And yet you're still combining and collaborating this drive to you know, shore up a lot of support that is missing from the Navajo Nation. Could you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, thank you, Tiokasen, for your service to our people with uh, dropping the walls of separation through this uh, Radio Airwaves, First Voices Radio. And uh, much gratitude to you and everybody else, uh, Liz Hill, that's putting all of this together. Uh, we really appreciate all that you share uh, from the first voices uh, from these lands and all others. So thank you. And uh, yes, me and Elena met uh, in 2006 and we started playing music together and found ourselves in New York City in 2007 where we met you. So we started to travel all over the place sharing this uh, word of collaboration between matrilineal indigenous lineages, uh, breaking walls of separation, and sharing the message of love and um, community through music and art, and always the walls of separation needing to be dropped. So we wanted to merge the Southern Hemisphere with the Northern Hemisphere me being from the Navajo Nation and Elena being from the Maori and Samoans. And that was all fine and dandy. And then as we kept going, a beautiful sister of ours, she's like an elder. Her name's Carol Harvey. She's a Navajo woman. And she's actually uh, certified and passed five state bars, the four sacred mountains and another one 
where her son lives. Brilliant, brilliant woman. She heard us playing on the plaza in Santa Fe. After our show in 2007, she came up to us and said, you two need to start a nonprofit. So we weren't sure what that meant, but we exchanged numbers, and soon enough she showed up, and we went through all the paperwork and raised the funds to get the nonprofit. So we kept the nonprofit in good standing all those years, just paying, uh, not paying anything, just putting, you know, just keeping the taxes in good standing. And uh, as we traveled and traveled and traveled and gained experience, uh, not through geographies, not only through geographies and cultures and languages and peoples and from coffee bars to yacht clubs in Australia to, you know, sold-out conference venues. Um, We realized that uh, we wanted to uh, segue into what was sitting on a shelf, and that was the nonprofit that got started with the guidance of our sister, Carol Harvey. So we decided to uh, open this venue in Santa Fe and uh, start a space to support musicians and artists and bring them together and bring our communities together. And then, of course, our space got too crowded, and we had to um, move it to other venues. So we started to collaborate with uh, Table Women United, uh, Institute of American Indian Arts, Dene College, uh, reservation schools on the reservation, and we started bringing communities together like that, and it kind of just morphed. So... All of a sudden in March, we all got news that everything was shut down and we were all um, quarantined. So at that point in time, we had to think on our feet very quickly. So we contacted our gorgeous uh, board members, uh, Willis Shallett, our board president, our um, uh, coach Terry Morrison, uh, who uh, teaches at the Santa Fe Indian School, and several others and said, uh, what to do, what to do. So we put our thinking together and decided to do this online virtual platform to keep everybody connected. So through our travels, we were able to gather a whole array of connections in the arts with musicians, speakers, and presenters, and elders, and LGBT, and all this. So we um, asked our funders if they would be willing to support this platform, and of course they said yes. It was kind of an emergency thing. Uh, So we did this, and we've been doing that, but then we realized that what's going on on the Navajo Nation, particularly Oak Ridge, where I'm from, uh, my mother's from, my grandmother's from, it's uh, on the top of Black Mountain, or some people call it Black Mesa, and it's beyond Kitsili, it's beyond Pinyon, and it's kind of on the way to, it's like right next to, it's close to Big Mountain, and way up there, atop of that mountain is the most beautiful, pristine, traditional life you can ever imagine. To me, that's what I call wealth, okay? Wealth, where the Navajo language is spoken richly, fluently. Uh, Survival is known, how to get a fire going, how to plant, how to survive. That is absolute wealth. Well, the problem is there's no running water up there. So when there's... uh, one, two, three, and up to four generations living in one home without running water, coronavirus um, has hit our Navajo Nation. So I'll just put a pause there, Teokasin, and say, hence uh, the uh, relief runs that we utilized our platform to uh, generate uh, donations to get up to Black Mountain, to take water, to take uh, everything from diapers to toilet paper to hand sanitizer 
water barrels, hand washing stations. And we're still on this movement right now. We just finished our fifth run two weekends ago, which was very successful. So, yeah, that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. Indigenousways.org, really, um, when you travel, it's like you are... Uh, birthing to me, birthing what Indigifem started back in 2006. And now here we are with all the, the nations as your children. And it's that responsibility that you are coming up with as not only women, but Dene and Maori and Samoan and any other indigenous folks is to take care of our own, not sense that we are elitist or anything or that we are nationalist. It's just the fact that the beautiful place that you described up on Black Mesa, as it's called now, that's people don't can't see that as heaven or the wealth that you said is with that land is just feeling different up there. And I, I feel that a lot of places where indigenous peoples are or the worldwide, as you as you know, you've been to a lot of places around the world where the indigenous peoples often have this sort of time capsule that you can walk in and you feel the, st- the different dimensions where the watches stop. But it's because of work that's ongoing with the earth. And that's what I'm feeling with indigenous ways and your band and with, with El- Elena and yourself going throughout the world, but also now defining and redefining, as you would say, the morphing into the support system that you have. Um, people want to hear numbers, but, you know, I don't know if that's really uh, apropos right now, but I do know that, uh, you know, th- as you say, there's there's lack of access to water because of the coal mining, um, Cayenta coal mining and all that going on there. Um, how soon... Do you feel that things, I can't say get better, but how soon will the world wake up if it's not only just listening to themselves, but listening to indigenous voices as you are? Well, right now um, with this coronavirus pandemic uh, and with the indigenousways.org website and platform and spotlight, uh, normally the elders and the people on Black Mountain uh, don't really permit um, any kind of uh, exploitation or pictures or videos or any of that stuff. But as uh, a member of Black Mountain going up onto the mountain and making these runs, I uh, asked permission. I said, you know, is it okay if we get some footage here so that we can get a spotlight going and some accountability happening to this that most of the world doesn't know about? And I'm sure there's many other places without running water, too, that need to be addressed in our prayers and our hope that uh, other nonprofits and groups and governments and everybody's coming together to make that water accessible, however it needs to be done, whether it's in a basin or a water barrel or a water catchment or pipes or drilling or wells. Water is the most important uh, protection right now at this time for our people to fight, fight off this virus because uh, water is so precious on Black Mountain. I can't tell you how precious water is on Black Mountain. So when, when we show up with a truckload of cases and cases of water, it, it, just, it just means everything. So really what's happening with this, um, I don't want to say colonial spotlight of the Internet, but really what's happening with this Internet, iPhone access, all of us have these phones. It has just become a part of our culture now. And with these phones, every single one of those phones has a record, a camera, and a a film button in it. 
So what people are doing on a global scale is connecting with each other, dropping the walls of separation. So we're not getting everything through the newspaper anymore. We're getting information that once we never had, and we pay a fee for that every month, which is very expensive to many people. But this is allowing us to get together and see how much uh, juxtaposition we have with each other, and we get to uh, see uh, the intersectionality of everything. We get to uh, we get to go a little bit deeper into um, exploring critical thinking skills about how we can address this uh, water pandemic on Black Mountain. And it's I really feel like it's going somewhere, not just with Black Mountain, but with uh, 30 to 40 percent of the rest of the Navajo Nation, which is also without without running water. Wow, Tosh Terry, thank you so much. I'm sorry, we're out of time. And it's, it's a message is important, but I encourage people to go to indigenousways.org to find out what Tosh, Terry, and Elena or Higgins are doing out there, especially with the band, which we didn't get into, but we're going to end with one of your songs that uh, you sent me, Naga Iwi E. Is that that's how you say it? Uh, it's called Naiwi. It means tribe, and it's Maori. So we're going to have to talk again sometimes because I, I've been following you through the years, and it leads to this. Thank you so much, uh, sister. sister. Thank you, Brother Tiokasen. Take care. Everybody Take care. be well. And this is First Voices Radio. My name is Tiokasen Ghost Horse, and thank you for joining us today and of all days. Stay safe, stay strong, and keep your eyes open. Kiyoko Tai